I'm Matt Bush with BPR News. I'm speaking with UNC Asheville Chancellor, Dr. Nancy Cable. Dr. Cable, as always, thank you for coming in. Thank you, Matt. I'm really glad to be here today. So your installation ceremony is coming up uh, towards the end of April here. First off, tell us what that is uh, for people who may be unfamiliar with it. You've been the chancellor since the, really the start of this school year, but the installation ceremony is really sort of installing you in the position that you've already sort of been in for months. <laughs> Well, it's not uncommon to do installation ceremonies months after folks have been chosen to be a chancellor. Uh, So this is in line with good practice, and it really has three components to it. Most importantly is that it's actually a legal action that I'll be sworn in to serve in this wonderful role I'm currently in as chancellor of University of North Carolina, Asheville. There's also a kind of tradition and custom to it where a number of delegates come from colleges and universities across the nation. A number of our important uh, leaders across the state, including Board of Governors members and other members of the Asheville and Buncombe County governmental community, other leaders across the nation, for example, the president of the Phi Beta Kappa Society is coming, Frederick Lawrence. Um, So in terms of tradition, it is a time to hold up our universities uh, as important places for not only education, but for cultural values and things that stand as important in our society. Uh, And then it's thirdly an opportunity. And for us, it's an opportunity to use the theme we've chosen, which is Celebrate UNC Asheville, that allows us to bring thought leaders from across the nation to meet with our faculty and to conduct what we're doing is five roundtables that would allow us to hit high points of uh, the work that we do in our academic mission. For example, one roundtable will include John Peaty, who is the president of the National Endowment for the Humanities, a clear thought leader across the nation, together with Dr. Lynn Pascarella, who is the president of the American Colleges and Universities Association, former president of Mount Holyoke College. And these two will be discussing the the importance of a liberal arts and sciences education as a, as a very important part of the global good. And they'll be not defending what we do, but actually celebrating and advancing the public's understanding of our academic mission. There'll be other programs on um, the melting of the Arctic permafrost and the climate implications of that, something on the First Amendment and the importance of interfaith understanding and leadership. We'll do something on inclusive excellence and the importance of all educational opportunities we can make to advance equity in our society, and many of the leaders in Asheville will be on that panel. And there'll be some others on health and wellness. Uh, in fact, we're very pleased that Dr. Jeff Hackus, the director of MAHEC, will be a part of, of this presentation. And then with each one of these roundtables, Matt, we'll have our faculty able to provide respondents and question and answer for the audience gathered. And these are open to the public, so I'm hoping we'll have a good showing from across our region. Mentioned some of the other guests that are coming. Uh, one of them is coming from the National Lynching Museum in Alabama, which is something that we've looked at recently here in our in our news department. Um, tell us about that and the significance of having him at this ceremony. We are so fortunate that Brian Stevenson will be this year's Dave and Lynn. Brown Visionary Lecture Series uh, lecturer, and this is co-hosted and sponsored with the Van Winkle Law Firm. Uh, Brian is one of the most well-respected and widely known thought leaders on the issues of um, unfair incarceration, um, the history of lynching as a phenomenon in this society that was 
um, a very important piece of our American history to understand and obviously to put in its place as man's inhumanity to man. Um, Brian is the founder of the Lynching Museum in Montgomery, Alabama. He also has written a very important, widely read and bestseller text called Just Mercy, which is simply about um, fairness and equity in our criminal justice system and the prevention of um, inadequate and unproven incarceration in our society going forward. We are delighted to have him as one of our keynote speakers over this course of the installation events. You're also wrapping up your first school year as uh, as chancellor of the university. So since August, you know, eight, nine months in, what really have your impressions of the university been, of Asheville, of Western North Carolina, of your experience here so far? Well, Matt, when I first met you in those first days in August, I was completely objective, really, about the institution, very excited about the privilege and the opportunity to serve here as the leader of a tremendous faculty and students and staff group. Um, I've lost most of that objectivity. Um, I think I'm eight months and one week in, and I can tell you how deeply proud I am of the work that's happening there, most importantly to educate students, to do our research, to conduct um, activities across this community and region that are deeply felt, high-impact efforts on the part of our students and faculty. We have collaborative relationships with, um, with Mayhack, with AB Tech, with the city and county school systems, with the hospital, with uh, any number of joint programs that we share with Western in terms of our joint support for things that go on in this community, for the arts and crafts community like Black Mountain College and like the Arts Center for Craft and Design in partnership with our STEAM studio and also our art historians and so on. So we are doing great work up on the hill, but in fact, our work that is highest impact and I think longest lasting, in addition to educating our undergraduates and supporting our tremendous faculty, uh, is the impact that we have in the region and the close working relationships that we have through Memos of Understanding uh, to serve this community. Um, it's been a really terrific first eight months. I've been deeply impressed by the quality, the dedication, frankly, the tireless service of our faculty. Um, they are among the best I've ever had the privilege to work with, and it's been a delight in that way. Um, our students are energetic. They're high achievers. They're very focused on being um, excellent in the classroom and taking a better set of questions away from this place than all the answers. And I'm very proud that that's what we do as a part of their education. Our athletic teams have had some amazing accomplished times this year. Um, you know we won the men's, the National Men's Tennis Championship in doubles, and our women's basketball team was really, truly outstanding, and soccer is off, men's soccer is off to a good start this spring. So we've had some really, really good um, athletic work as well as our, um, our in-class activities. You know, this is a place that, um, just like every college and university, faces our challenges. Um, We've uh, certainly faced into the questions that were raised about our residence halls and our apartment complex and all that sort of thing has been worked through at this point. I'm so proud that we hosted between two and 300 students that were affected by Hurricane Florence in the east side of the state. We had students here from Fayetteville, from UNC Pembroke, UNC Wilmington, and our students and our faculty opened the doors for those students to be with us, even with um, ongoing invitations to visit 
classes to keep their classwork going. Um, it was just a great thrill to see that happen. So even when tested by uh, natural forces like a hurricane, uh, we're a community because of our scale and because of the depth and breadth of the way we view each other as a community. We can stand up and deliver at times that are challenging, and I've been really pleased to be a part of that and to see how that works here. Yeah, talk a little bit more that a little bit more about that. It was a bit of a tumultuous year. You talked about the residence halls. You talked about having to take in some other students. Then there was the issue with the Murdoch honorary degree. So you've faced some things that you walked into that you weren't necessarily here for, but you're now in charge and have had to deal with. Um, talk about that and how it sort of looks forward to the university. How this first year for you has gone and guide forward, and what have you taken from the first year that you want to take into uh, the succeeding years uh, as you're in your role as chancellor. Well, I appreciate the question and what. Even in the face of those challenges that you mentioned, I was able to work with faculty, faculty leaders most particularly, but also student leaders, alumni in the area, and certainly our extraordinary board of trustees, to stand on the principles and values that already exist here. I didn't bring these alone. These are existing tenets of what we stand for as an institution. So whether it was an issue of free speech or whether it was an issue of um, making sure that we had safety and security in our residence halls in every one of them, which we did and we have, and those buildings have been proven to be safe from those days long ago when we were in the, the, uh, the dis- I think, the disagreement with DOI that has worked out very favorably for both they and for us. Um, we stood on the values of um, fair play, We stood on the values of not getting defensive, but actually leaning forward and seeing what the best resolutions of things could be. We stand on principles of um, believing in the rights and dignity of every human being. And so when someone uh, has an experience as a young child that was unfortunate, um, I think our board, after a great deal of deliberation, did the right thing, and I was proud of that. Um, and we are a humane enterprise um, when we try to deal with issues that are complicated and tough. So it has been um, not always easy, but it's been a joy to see how well we can stand on the principles in play and the values of this academic community and do what is right. So what is sort of the temperature of higher education right now? Just everywhere. I mean, you have a campus. We're in a very heightened sort of... I don't know what the right word to say is heightened partisan era, maybe, or heightened politically partisan era. Um, and it isn't just in North Carolina, obviously. It's everywhere. So what is just sort of what you think the the state of higher education right now and the role it's playing as a lot of very um, complex issues are being confronted by society? Very broad question, obviously. So take your time coming up with an answer. But just kind of the role that a higher education, I guess, can play in this era of our history. Well, Better Minds Than Mine are doing a lot of writing about why we're in such tumult in higher education, public, private, liberal arts, research one universities, uh, big, small. Um, This is a time where the public's confidence has been shaken in the value of a degree in higher education, Um, particularly some question the value of a liberal arts degree, a liberal arts and sciences program of study. And yet what's emerging from some of the public skepticism now is a renewed understanding that with the pace of change in the world in which we live, there is no better set of skills than that notion of asking the better set of questions, understanding humanity's past, 
how to understand the human challenges that we face today uh, with our global shrinking village, our global village in play, uh, with issues of the environment, with political discord. Um, our students are trained to understand that these things can be handled and led by having that better set of questions, also by understanding what has happened before and by being quite innovative and imaginative about new solutions to things. And I think the public's question about is a college degree worth it continues to be answered in the affirmative because not only is um, a person who has a college or university degree at the undergraduate level proven to make over a lifetime more income in any number of fields, but that the quality of one's life and one's ability to participate in a democracy as a participating, reasoned, well-read citizen, uh, that's something that now I think the public, particularly as we've gotten away from the challenges of the recession, more members of this general population, I think, understand that there is something very important about the experience of a college education, most particularly in the classroom and learning research, but also in co-curricular life that helps a student to test their wings as a leader, to clarify their values, and to be determined to make a difference in this world, whether it's in the arts or it's in nonprofit work or medicine or very high-level research globally. Um, and our students are prepared to do any number of those things when they graduate. Um, I had a colleague at Davidson a long time ago who said, the liberal arts and sciences don't teach you to do something. They teach you to do anything. And I'm very proud that that's what I'm finding has been going on for quite some time at UNC Asheville. You already answered my other question, which was the significance of liberal arts education, which I know I've asked you before and I've asked your predecessors of that. That's, But it's uh, because UNC Asheville is the liberal arts university of the UNC system. So that does make it uh, you know, a little different than the other universities. But in a time where you know there is a lot of specialization, particularly in whatever higher education or post high school education comes from, just the role that liberal arts education can still play in this society and you kind of answered that already with what you with what you just said there but uh, as that happens as we hear more about specialization or as we hear more about post high school education um, you know getting job skills and things like that where does liberal arts education fit in as people prepare go to get educated to get become employees or become workers matt let me let me um, answer your question by not just focusing on the liberal arts, but focus on the opportunity that the range of higher education in America provides. And we are so lucky here in Western North Carolina to have a range of higher educational opportunities to meet the style of learning or the set of personal skills or the set of aspirations in a job or in a profession available to folks not just in North Carolina but throughout this region in AB Tech, in Western, uh, in UNC Asheville, in Warren Wilson, in Montreat, uh, in Mars Hill. We have a variety of educational options here that 
again, students from our region, broadly defined, even across state lines, can benefit from the particular curricular emphases, the particular postgraduate opportunities, which is available in a number of those institutions, as well as ours, and an understanding that for us, the core principles of liberal arts and sciences that have been in place since, you know, the early 1500s, basically, are defined as the liberating skills to understand humanity and to understand basic scientific principles as in play in almost every situation. Our distinction is that the size of our classes and the extraordinary quality of our faculty as both teachers and researchers allows students the chance to continue to to ask that set or better set of questions, but to also be driven to, to refine the curious mind. And I would suggest in a changing world as the one we're living in today, the person with the curious mind is most likely not only to understand what is real and in play, but be able to understand the innovative opportunities to solve the problems that we face. And I think we, among the other liberal arts and sciences institutions, both in the region and in the state, we do that particularly well and have for many, many years, and we have our faculty to thank for that. May 11th is commencement for uh, the spring. Uh, tell us about what sorts of things are being planned for that. Well, we're, we're very excited, most of all, for our graduating seniors who will join our ranks of UNC Asheville alumni and continue to stay connected in very significant ways to the institution. So it's a great day to celebrate them and their families. But it will also be the end of the academic year and time to draw our faculty together, not only in celebration of our students, but in celebration of the values of the institution this past academic year. I'm thrilled to share with you, Matt, that uh, Paula Kerger, who is the president of PBS across the United States, will be the keynote speaker and the recipient of the um, Chancellor's Medallion for Leadership to the Nation this year, and she will give the graduation address. So it is sure to be a wonderful day. We're going to hope for good weather so we can be outside, uh, but it'll really be a day of celebration of our faculty and our staff and students. Dr. Nancy Cable, as always, thank you for coming in and chatting with us. You're most welcome, Matt. Thank you so much.